Before we get to this week's episode, I want to take a second to tell you about the Glossy Summit. We'll be in sunny Miami from May 21st to 23rd, tackling the topic that's top of mind for most everyone in the industry, the effect of Amazon on fashion and beauty. It will be an amazing conversation on a real clash of the titans. Hear from speakers like Ali Weiss, the SVP of Marketing at Glossier, and Nadia Bujarwa, the co-founder of Dia & Co. And as a podcast listener, you get special access to a discount code just under Glossy Podcast at checkout to get 10% off your ticket. For more information, visit glossy.co slash events, and I hope to see you there. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy senior reporter, Hillary Milnes, and with me is Anne Mashburn, the founder of Her Namesake Brand. And we're live at the Digital Retail Summit, and we chatted earlier on stage, so thanks for sitting down with me again. It was fun. <laughs> yes, so we, you know, we, we were focusing earlier on the in-store experience. You and, you and your husband, Sid, have your, what, what do you call it? Are they like brother and sister brands? Wow. <laughs> I guess I don't, we don't really, um, I guess if it could be a husband and wife brand, yeah. but it really <laughs> is. It's, um, you know, actually we just, um, we opened up a new space that is next to my current space in Atlanta, which had Ann Mashburn on the front. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the brand evolved first. It was his brand, mm-hmm. Sid Mashburn. There was no intention of it ever being a woman's brand. And then three years into it, we started it. So it's actually been a little bit of a a funny thing because they are one brand mm-hmm. and but they're two separate brands so but my point was is that on this um, because we open this new shop we have this new signage and it actually does just say Mashburn mm. and we have a little coffee corner in it and that's kind of Mashburn so it's it's always it's one brand in a way but it is two separate ones so mm-hmm. and you know men's and women's clothing yeah that's exactly e- that part's yeah. easy to figure okay. out <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your your background you've been in fashion mm-hmm. all your life yes and so when and then you you know, work with it on his brand mm-hmm. now you have your own brand mm-hmm. so so what got you to that point after working in in fashion on the editor editorial side mm-hmm. in retail well, it's funny because we always, uh, when Sid introduces us and he talks about us, you know, both having retail backgrounds, I actually hated retail. I grew up, my dad worked for the JCPenney company. And so sometimes on, you know, vacations, I'd have to work in, you know, the worst part of the store, like mm-hmm. the men's accessories department, which was another kind of a euphemism for like the underwear and socks department. Right. So for a young teenage girl, that was really embarrassing and I hated it. <laughs> and I was, I really just thought it was, I didn't ever really want to do that. And then being um, a fashion editor, you get to do things with all the clothes and make amazing images or just go find them and go to do things like that, but you don't have to worry about selling them. Mm-hmm. So getting into retail for me on my end was a little scary because a lot of the brands that I loved and that um, didn't necessarily, they weren't maybe, some of those brands went out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I know why, because it's a business is very different than just making beautiful clothes. Right. Um, but, you know, the, we really got into the retail business because it was, has always been Sid's vision to, to have his own store and have his own brand and make the clothes and sell them in a place that was a controlled place. But mm-hmm. I, I loved fashion um, 
from getting into it in New York when I was a young girl. I don't, I don't, when I was growing up, I was very creative and made my own clothes and, you know, always got to make my own space of my room and I did things like that, but I never, I didn't ever um, say I'm going to grow up and be a fashion designer. Right. That's, you know, it's a big, it's a big burden on your shoulders to run your own business. It is, it, it is. It's fun though. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask for it, but now that I have it, I kind of love it. So after... Do you think that ha- coming in from that perspective kind of put you at, a, in, at an advantage, like almost you know, that you had to be stay, you're staying skeptical so that kind of pushed you harder? You know, I, I look back and I really think that um, a lot, so many parts of my life have helped me be a better business person and do what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think um, the training I had as a fashion editor was amazing. You really learn, um, you see the best of everything. You see clothes and how they work on women. You're surrounded by women who are really, when I was a, um, a young editor and I worked at Vogue, I had all these older women who worked there who were in their you know 40s, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. And they um, were so inspiring. They were incredibly hard workers. And they were just so professional, but they didn't, fashion to them was something to delight in, but it also was a job. And Mm -hmm. they really, so I had this great um, business influence by women who um, knew how to dress really well. And I I saw the power of dressing well to give you confidence. Mm -hmm. So um, that was really great. I learned a ton doing that. I think I stopped working for about a dozen years because we have a big family. Um, And being a... um, really taking care of the home and being an entrepreneur kind of that way taught mm-hmm. me a ton. Right. I felt, you know, really learned how to get things done in a great way. I think that I, I also went to business school um, just as an undergrad. I don't have a graduate degree in business, but I have an undergraduate degree. And that helped me because, you know, when you start a business, you really, you've got to, you don't, we started it on our own. I mm-hmm. did, you know, paid every, wrote every check. So um, I think that being a skeptic is probably a, a, I mean, it kind of got off track, but I think that um, you have to think about what do women and men need, but what will sell, mm-hmm. and both those things have to be the same, right? <laughs> and as and that, and then before starting the brand, you were also at J Crew. Yeah, I did. My, um, Sid really he worked there for a long time. Um, and I worked there after he did as a stylist. I worked and um, they had, I had a great gig. I worked part-time. I had a couple kids by then, but I came in and um, did, you know, did just photo styling. Mm-hmm. It was great. And what is that point of view? It feels like today, if you are a niche specialty retailer, mm-hmm. having that, like a, that differentiated point of view is so important. It's, you know, what, what department stores are talking about is what boutiques are talking about. Like to stay in business, you have to have this very distinct curated mm-hmm. assortment and, and style and perspective that people will recognize and then come back to you for. And it, and it just seems like that's what you built your brand off of, like your personal style and, and then where you got this experience, both on the Vogue and, and the retail side. So like, when did you realize that this you know, kind of could come together and work. Well, I think probably more when I opened my store because Sid always, he um, he came into, his business was really before the men's business kind of took off. Mm-hmm. And he does have this great history and great ability to do it and make his definitive style. But I think, um, so we did set out to do that and thought about it. Well, it has to be our point of view. I think when we opened our store, we um, we have these bulletin mood boards in the in the stores that represent our personality and point of view, partly because when we opened in, in Atlanta, we didn't know anybody there. It was mm-hmm. a really 
um, a choice um, that we made to move there for many reasons, but mostly because we fell in love with the real estate, and it was this really great opportunity, this this cool part of town that we really related to as creative people. And um, but we didn't know anybody there, so we said, well, if people are going to know who we are, we will will make it just look like us, which I guess you do anyway. But I think that. Um, from when I look back on it, I really thought that a lot when I was opening my store, because again, I was really afraid to do it because Mm -hmm. I thought I'm more of an editor. I'm not a huge fashion person. I also wanted it to rate to relate to his, his store. So I thought I have to make you know, and our styles evolved together. So Sid and I met in, um, you know, when we were in our very early twenties. And so we kind of grew up together. So our, our tastes are similar, so that part wasn't that hard to make it go with his brand. But I did think, I'm not a big fashion person. I can't, I, though I worked in fashion, my personal style isn't very high fashion. So I thought, how can I create um, a complimentary brand next to his that is, um, are people going to like what I like? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very simple. I liked when I was a younger person, I shopped at Agnes B. Or I had, you know, classic pieces from great designers, but I wouldn't go for the big, big, you know, over the top pieces, I would go for the, you know, the pieces that sat at the back of the collection. So anyway, I think that um, we just kept doing it. And it was a way to try it. I said, I'll I'll, I'll make it, I'm going to put everything in my store that I love. And if people like it, I'll stay in business. I had, I, my landlord was really awesome. He knew I was nervous. So he gave me a, um, an option to get out of the lease after a year mm-hmm. because I, I didn't, the, Sid's brand was going really well and I didn't want to ruin it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, but it has to be, it's not worth doing unless it's going to be exa- everything that I love. I mean, you know, there are things in my shop that I, that I might not wear, but I still love them and appreciate them. Mm-hmm. So it just went really well. And then I, and then it, you know, you just keep going. So I do think it's really important. You do have to have your point of view. Um, but that's all really you have because right. everybody, you, you can get anything anywhere. Right. And, and so you have things that you've designed mm-hmm. as well as mm-hmm. um, items for other brands. Yeah. What's the design process like? Like, what's your team like? Well, I have this amazing um, head of design who is like a Swiss army knife. She can do everything because I actually, you know, I'm very, I am the head of design of my company, but I was never formally trained as a designer as Mm -hmm. my husband was. So I, um, go to in the beginning of the design process, I work with her, but in terms of, of like really truly know how to cut, um, a piece of clothing to fit. I really depend on her. So I work really closely with, um, she, I work closely with my head of merchandising too, because she's has, has, very smart, but she also happens to have amazing taste. Mm-hmm. So um, the three of us um, at the beginning of the season do just like any other designer where you go to fabric shows and you pull swatches that you like and then you start getting an idea of, of um, how you want a collection to look. But it's different than a normal runway designer because we're constantly designing. Mm-hmm. We do new product every month. So it's an evolution. If I And we're very nimble because we're smaller. We have um, these six locations, but... Um, or five locations, how many locations do I have? <laughs> um, but, you know, if there's something, I'm feeling something, I'm, I see um, something in my closet that I haven't worn in a long time that I want to make better, mm-hmm. we're able to kind of put that, you know, add that to the collection. Right, and and how have you chosen the the uh, locations for the retail stores? It seems like they're, mm-hmm. they're very particularly chosen. Well, we need a city that's big enough. My husband always says we need a city that's at least big enough to house a professional sports team. <laughs> so, um, so we need, you know, a lot of people there. Um, and our web traffic 
tells us mm-hmm. where we already have a great customer base. So that's yep. been a direction in a lot of it. A lot of it is real estate driven because we really like to have kind of an interesting um, center or place of town. I mean, I think it's it's people. It's nice to be a destination, but you can't. You need foot traffic and you need some energy. Mm-hmm. So when we look in at market, we we're always looking for the, just the right real estate, and that's really hard. You mm-hmm. just have to keep your options open for a lot of cities, and then when something great happens, you can tuck in. Right, and but it's da- data supported. So data supported, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah. So so as a retailer, and and you you guys have what the hundred and thirty people at your company yeah yeah about in between Ah. changes (laughs) right yeah um but you know how do you decide how do you one stay focused and to decide what's worth putting your your time and energy into uh you know i feel like here we're hearing you know some things like data can be overwhelming to the point of paralyzing for for retailers people have data they don't know what to do with it and then at the same time you have Oh, should we have, we have to have an Instagram strategy. We have to have an influencer strategy. Should we be using artificial intelligence? Like how do you stay on course while still evolving and staying ahead? Well, I think a lot of these things have are more recent issues. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think when, you know, when we started our business, we weren't of course not thinking about half of those things because they didn't really exist. So I think that part of the reason we're a very strong brand is because we evolved, it's such an overused word, but very authentically. Mm. And we started our business with our own cash, so we never had to answer to anybody. So I think we were able to to build something that we loved and kept working, but really on our own terms. Now, as we've gotten bigger, I think a lot of those things you're, you're, you do get more worried about because, because you've been more successful, you have more to lose when you gamble on something mm-hmm. or take a risk. So um, focus is, is harder when you get bigger and you have more people, especially as um, entrepreneurs, because that's why you did it in the first place was because you had this amazing idea that nobody else was doing. Mm-hmm. So now you're, you think, oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. I mean, it's, it's really tempting to... Um, to try new things and go down different roads and people come to you with ideas all the time because you are a successful brand. Mm -hmm. But, um, the digital, uh, the, the digital stuff, digital stuff is really, um, you need, um, you need to, um, you also need, well, I know where I'm going to go with this. You have, you need to build a team with people who think differently than you. I mean, my husband and I are really great creatively mm-hmm. and we have great instincts, but in terms of, of trusting people on your team to say, you know, you might want to go this direction because data supports it is, is really important. Right. So, so we're able to do that. Yeah. It's like that left brain, right brain yeah, yeah. on the team. Um, and, and trust your instincts, but back it up with data. Right. It's always better. Right, of course. Um, and as you know, we're we're looking at at small, especially retailers. You don't sell through. Um, no, we do not third sell. Party. No, though we we are. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not a fact yet, but we're getting ready to do something with somebody who's who's not just us. So, Interesting. Yeah. So so the, so with that frame of mind, mm-hmm. it's, I'm sure control has been so important mm-hmm. for the brand. Yeah, and, really and, important. And we're talking about the the point of view, and so how are you planning to navigate a new space while maintaining that, that control and that strong branding that, that people have come to know? Well, um, just setting it up on your own terms and just keeping, you know, the fences up where you need them to be. I mean, I think you can, you ha- if you want to grow, you have to let go of some control. I mean, it was really, when it was just this one store and it was much easier, but even you have to give up some control, even going across the country because you're not in the shop every day or, um, and that's okay. And that, again, that evolves too. You just have to, you know, 
let go a little more and a little more and a little more, but you often know when, what, what is essential to the brand? What are your main things that are really important to you? Mm-hmm. And then, um, because you can't, you can't do everything. You can't be everywhere at the same time. And someone's going to show something a tiny bit different than you. Right. And, and talking about growing and scaling the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's that, that push and pull almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what about like, so talking about like new new digital stuff that mm-hmm. everyone has to think about. What about what have you guys done on social media? Is your customer there? Is that is a bit more? Oh, Our customer is there, but we haven't gone down. Like we, we have so much opportunity to really um, to go down that road. We have what we have is an incredibly loyal um, customer base already. Who mm-hmm. who when once they've discovered us are very. Um, loyal they're they're enthusiastic so there's a lot of stickiness to our brand but we have done so little marketing wise that it's it's we're so looking forward to somebody to uh, lots of more people discovering us mm-hmm. and then we'll see what happens mm-hmm. but we you know we've got a but it is it's a i mean instagram alone is a beast that you have to feed constantly and yeah. we're very very particular about any kind of um image that we put out or the words but I have to say that's changed so much that I'm even I've left I've, I'm much more um, I let things go much more than I used to mm-hmm. in the beginning days it was like every picture had to be vetted now there's such a sense of you know um, spontaneity mm-hmm. that I think there's I have a lower level of I have a more of a tolerance for something that isn't quite perfect because it there's so much out there. I mean, mm-hmm. people will forget a lot more than right. I used to think yeah. they would. <laughs> That's the one good thing about Instagram and social media. <laughs> I, I, I suppose, but it's it's hard for me because right. I don't I don't it doesn't feel as curated and as um, special. But everybody has the same issues. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's having to put out the same amount of images mm-hmm. um, just to keep up. Right, and, and at that point, it's like, why am I? Why am I putting things out there just to do it? That it's true, but I think that that's a pressure because um, you know everyone wants to be. Um, you want to keep up, mm-hmm. and, and so going off of like the the curated brand, um, and that and just that halo you guys have built around mm-hmm. it. Take us into like the store because you have such a specific mm-hmm. store experience, and we're talking a lot about you, you know people still want to go into stores. They want to have a relationship with the brands that they. Um, that they shop from in, mm-hmm. in certain terms. And, but at the same time, if it's a bad store experience, you're going to shop online. You're, you're not going to sh- visit that store again. Mm-hmm. So how do you make sure it's something that people want to come back to? Well, I think the very first thing we did was just to create a pretty space. I mean, I think that there has to be something that, you know, it has to look great when you're in there and feel great mm-hmm. because, um, that's the first thing. That's the first wow factor you have. So, uh, we take a lot of time and we've kind of, um, have a very definitive look that we spread across all of our stores where it, it looks a little different. I always say, you know, I have, we have five daughters. They all look like they came from Sid and I, but they're all very different. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, our stores really look like a Mashburn store, but we love them to look really different because we don't want to look like a chain. So um, that's really a fun part of um, my job. I love to kind of go in and create a space. Um, and then um, the people that we hire are really important. So that is, you know, they have to be brand ambassadors. They have to kind of have the same point of view, the same type of, um, you know, all different personalities, but really feeling like they want to take care of the people in there. We don't um, hire our sales associates and on commission. We pay them salary or hourly, depending on how much they work. 
And that's really important because we don't ever want that. Um, just to get, you know, it works really well for lots of retailers. For us, we just we don't like that. We like somebody to feel like they can take their time with a customer and have the liberty to not have that um, be paid based on how much they sell. Though that being said, a really great salesperson is incredibly competitive. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure they have a relationship with the um, the customer that's a long term one, but they're always, you know, very you know they're aware of how they're doing. And they like to keep score. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to, you know, um, have really amazing staff. We um, just make our product move quickly. We have a new store set every month, um, make, move things around so that it feels new when you go in there. We have really great music. My husband is a huge um, music guy, and we happen to have hired in the beginning of our stores just these, like, cool guys who used to be in bands Mm -hmm. so music is a really big part of our store experience you know and I I don't think that I I hope that people shop online and in our store which I I know they do but Mm -hmm. I think that I think maybe you even said this but there's a um, you called it another halo effect when Mm -hmm. somebody really enjoys the experience they had in my store they love what when they put on that garment or the accessory whatever it is um, I hope they kind of relive that moment. And then when they order online, I hope they, you know, remember that experience in the store or that they would look, they, even if you've never been in the store, we try to make it clear that there is a physical place and, mm-hmm. and that there are real people behind it and that it's, uh, you know, we love the retail part of our, our brand. Right. And, and especially when you have like a, a traditional retail background, are you mm-hmm. looking at the store if you look like outside, it, the store landscape is is kind of grim. Stores are closing; they're not ideal. Like, it's like almost like a cautionary tale. Like, here's what we can't let our brand become. It's true, but you know, I think that it's so funny. I was just on this. Um, I, um, it depends how you look at it. I mean, I hope it isn't a self fulfilling prophecy for all these people saying retail so bad. But when um, Sid and I traveled to Italy a lot for work, and we were just in Milan, and on a Sunday we were in the the big department store there that's called um, Rentacente or something like that. I'm, I can't pronounce it it was so teeming and packed with so many people I mean Sunday a lot of other things are closed so it could be that it was you know mm, it was the only a, place to go the only <laughs> place to go but I have to tell you there was just so much energy in there it reminded me of like Bloomingdale's in like the 80s mm-hmm. when people really went out to be to shop now um again I don't you know I didn't count the shopping bags but I think that the idea of people going to a place to we always said we wanted to open a um we wanted a place to be and not just to buy Mm -hmm. but you know ultimately you have to have people buy otherwise there's no place to be (laughs) right but I think that the um a sense of community we have a store in Brentwood Country Mart and there's this amazing little um outdoor area in the middle like Mm -hmm. you could have in California all year round which is amazing Mm -hmm. but people sit there and there so I've seen you know a woman pull out her bills and sit and do some some bills while she's it's like her community place so I feel like it's not like I want people to come in and open up their laptops in our store but I think that if you create a place where people really want to be they will be drawn to it Mm -hmm. and if somebody knows you I mean it's kind of the idea of that third place thing but I think that retail is going to be very important because it, it offers another place for people to go and get out of their their homes and be seen and have a friend and be noticed and live mm-hmm. outside of their own world. Yeah, it's in a, front of their laptop. Right. <laughs> and I think it's a it's almost like a very traditional boutique mm-hmm. approach, but you have multiple stores and you're and you're mm-hmm. like a full-fledged retailer. So it's it's 
kind of a refreshing take on on it in the age of Amazon we're talking yeah, about I, ho- Amazon. I hope so I mean it is really it, it's a lot of fun it mm-hmm. was a really um, I don't work in the shop um, very much I run through it a lot but it is really energizing to to be in a really fun active retail environment and and again people who love retail the great retail sellers love it they mm-hmm. they their feet don't hurt as much as mine. <laughs> they, yeah. they have better practice at it, but they they love it. It is really fun to connect with somebody and really have a real conversation and find out about their life and what they need the clothing for. And and you know, clothing isn't the most important thing in the world, but it really can make someone feel really great if they if they feel really well turned out and they, mm-hmm. they just feel better. So I think it makes you feel really good. Right. Do you feel like the digital experience has a place in the in the physical stores, or do you, do you try to separate the two? Well. Uh, they're different, but I mean, it's part of the in-store experience because everybody's on their uses their digital all the time. So, mm-hmm. so we use if if um, a customer is looking for something that we don't have in the store, we'll maybe we'll welcome them around, uh, welcome them around to look on the um, the checkouts, the um, you know the POS system, and pull up our own website and say, okay, well, let's find this for you. Or we would use you know a cell phone and say, oh, let, you know, let me recommend this this um, restaurant to you tonight, and you could you know, I mean, everybody uses technology you know, all the time. So mm-hmm. I think that um, we we use it, but the real, it, it, we're more analog. I mean, really, when you're in the store, it's more about a, a, more of a real-time experience where you're touching something. But definitely we use, you know, our website and our, um, our store go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so as you're working with customers on, on mm-hmm. both sides, yeah. where are they, how, do you feel like you're, following them to where they're going next? How do you stay a, a step ahead? Um, like who, how is the customer evolving and, and how do you plan to keep up or have you been kept uh, keeping up? Well, I think the core customer we have now is, is, um, there are customers, our big, uh, I, you know, what we want to do next is find more is just Mm. to let more people discover us and really go after. I mean, I think we do a decent enough job of clienteling and looking for some new customers, but I think that you you can't wait for foot traffic. I mean, you have to really go find people and tell them about yourself. Right. So, So, and and you mentioned you weren't doing that much marketing. No, but we're starting. You're starting to. (laughs) And what's, I've certainly (laughs) met a lot of people here. (laughs) Great. <laughs> and what's your where? What are where are you targeting first? Um, well, lots of different platforms. I mean, I think we need to be smarter about um, our you know our website and getting data. That I mean, we we we're able to do a lot now, but mm-hmm. technology has. Cha- I mean, everything's changed so much in the last year that with with some outside help, I think we'll be able to really um, figure out who wh- where to find you know like minded customers right. go seek those people out introduce yourself to them and then see what happens mm-hmm. and so that brand awareness is yes just basically that's it brand awareness and then um you know customer retention making sure we are really smart with following up i mm-hmm. mean you know just stuff we haven't gotten to i mean building your own company is very you know you, you learn as you go but mm-hmm. you need you know to get some new blood to help you kind of it's helpful now actually to do this to get some outside eyes on your brand to say this is you might think you're doing it this way but this is what I see as an outsider right and have you done any hiring like in that in that department in order to flesh out your marketing efforts yeah, um, a little but we're we're mostly looking to uh, use an outside agency and hire it that way rather than doing in-house because now I mean you know I could hire I would have to hire five people to do what an agency does just because of the their their what they can do right and I think staying on like well, like you mentioned that outside perspective and and just mm-hmm. having that voice as a 
it's a great case for the agency, but we do hear a lot from brands who are also bringing things in house. Yeah. I mean, I think I, we, we would love that because then if we could, if we were big enough, we may be able to do that. But mm-hmm. there's, I mean, I think we could never get the the um, level of expertise across the different areas that you need to really move into that. I mean, so I know what I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot I don't know. <laughs> right. And so, so obviously a big marketing push, brand mm-hmm. awareness push, um, but we're talking, I feel like the, we're talking so much about control. Like mm-hmm. how do you plan to communicate this very tightly curated point of view that you've established with the brand? Like how do you introduce that to a new customer? Well, I think that for like, if we're really going for a new customer and an agency is going to help us do that, mm-hmm. I think they have to really understand us well first. And right. so that's a lot of the kind of the courtship process just to make sure, okay, do you really understand us? Do you really, um, you tell me back what, you know, what you think, I'm about right. So we'll really see. feeling secure that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just um, again having some uh, uh, um, courage to let go a little mm-hmm. to see what happens because in the end we're not going to grow again unless we um, just let some people kind of help us do it. Mm-hmm. And what are you what are you most excited about for the for this year ahead? Um, well, I'm going on vacation in two weeks and I haven't had one in a while for a couple of days. So that's, that's what really I'm really exciting. most excited yeah. about. Um, but for the brand, I think, um, again, just really growing that way, like letting more people know what we've been doing for a long time and what we think we do well. Mm-hmm. I think we're about, you know, we always say we're about, you know, um, inviting people in to see what we do and kind of sharing it really. That's why we started what we do. And um, we've just, um, actually, I'll tell you something I'm excited about. We just opened this new lifestyle kind of store. I mean, we've, we've always been a lifestyle brand, but mm-hmm. this, this new space has given us more room to do, to sell some of the things that kind of get lost in it. If you, if you have a, um, you know, we really sell clothing and accessories, but we've always put books and little leather goods and cool knickknack stuff that Sid and I just love mm-hmm. ama- around the store and we sell it but it but this is a more devoted space to that and for us it's another way to share our personality I mean I think books are I'm not a bookstore but I think that books are a really wonderful way to tell someone something about yourself so yeah. if you so we have that we have this amazing little coffee corner and we have we're selling you know really cool tea and I think that that's something I, I love to share to say you know this is really I found this cool take it home you can you know your tea time can be more of a nice little ritual you right. know yeah and and so do you tailor the inventory to every store location you a little mm-hmm. but um and and the you know it's really great the store teams help us do that if you know dallas is feeling they're selling a lot of this they'll ask for more i mean we share inventory between all the stores on the web but um you would it's it's not as different as you as people might think i get asked that question a lot but you know oddly we're in, in los angeles it's a very casual culture out there we sell a ton of tailored clothing in mm-hmm. that men's shop out there so it's really it is very very similar mm-hmm. but we're, t- we're completely open to doing that and I actually think it's a really cool opportunity to to do little vignettes of of something that would do well in another city and do you have the next city you already picked for your new store no because <laughs> not until we have a lease signed we have lots of choices but you never know and it's not it's not done until the ink is dry right for sure <laughs> uh great well thanks so much Anna I really appreciate oh, you chatting thanks it was really fun this whole thing's been great great so. Uh, And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, be sure to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play and leave us any feedback you have.